Episode 178 of the PJ Archive is an interview I did with the multi-award winning Irish singer-songwriter, dancer, actress, fashion model and presenter, Samantha Mumba. In 2000, aged just 17, Samantha shot to fame with the release of her debut single, Gotta Tell You, which made the top five in Ireland, the UK and the US. Her album of the same name reached number four in Ireland and number nine in the UK. She's had seven top five hits in Ireland and six top ten hits in the UK. As an actress, her film debut was in The Time Machine in 2002, alongside Jeremy Irons and Guy Pearce. Many more movies followed. This interview took place in Dublin in early 2004, when Samantha was turning 21. I began by asking her if she was surprised at becoming so successful so young. I'm not sure, you know, I was kind of an unusual kid in the sense that stuff like this never seemed out of reach to me. I mean, it was like when I was in school, it was like, yeah, I'm going to be a singer and a dancer when I'm older. I wasn't, God, I wish I could do that. Or I never thought about it not working out, mm-hmm. if, if you know what I mean, um, which maybe was completely naive, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so things, I just thought, well, you know, if you work hard enough for it, then there's no reason for it not to work mm-hmm. out, you know. So that's pretty much been my attitude always. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky to be in this position right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. And kind of as well as that I've had... Um, I took well, pretty much the whole of 2003 off. So, like, when you're working all the time and travelling and it's just schedule after schedule, it's so easy to become really blasé about the whole mm-hmm. thing and moan about, God, I can't believe I have to go to L.A., I can't believe I have to fly. And, you know, it's kind of when you've had time off, you can kind of actually realise where you've been and what you've done. Bearing in mind, you know, you're from a fairly modest background. Oh, absolutely, very normal. I'm loving with the Prime Minister of well, I was mortified because the house I bought, I didn't actually look anywhere else. I saw right. it, went up with my mum and put an offer in that day, mm-hmm. just fell for it. And it was only after I'd put the deposit down, then the builder said, oh, that's Bertie's house. Mm-hmm. And I was mortified then that I hadn't known before. And then there was a big thing in the press here about moving in next to him. And so that was quite embarrassing. It was a little bit tacky. Um, but I mean, I guess he's a good neighbour. I never hear from him or, you know, so... What about Bono? Is he a mate? Um, he is. Bono I haven't seen in ages. But, I mean, he's a sweetheart. He's someone that has been very supportive of me from day one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sent me, before I'd met him, sent me a letter of support and his number and if I ever needed any advice on anything. Which was, I mean, that's yeah. absolutely nothing he has to do, you know. Um, so, which was so decent of him. And then when I was in L.A., he invited me. I went to a couple of U2 concerts and hung out with them. And we've done a couple of events, been at the same things together. Um, so he's just somebody that I really, really admire. I mean, he's not someone I'd call up every week for a chat, but I've sent him the odd joke text message, <laughs> you know. Um, but, I mean, he's just, again, he's just somebody that I admire that mm. happens to be Irish and, you know, is a really, really cool person. And I've worked with his wife on a couple of Sellafield causes and stuff as well. So, But they're a cool family. I was going to say, because he does a lot of charity work towards the third world Mm, and so on, and you're working for UNICEF and so on, do you sort of team up at all? Yeah, no we haven't, Um, we haven't, but I might be seeing him, there's um, the first ever world conference with UNICEF is happening in Ireland in March, Mm. and I'll be speaking at that, Um, and I think he might be speaking at it as well, I'm not sure. So that if he is there, then that'll be the first kind of charity event with UNICEF that we've we've been at together. So, how easy is it to be friendly with other artists? Because one always imagines you're all <laughs> you know, rivals. Um, well, with Westlife, it's like 
we wouldn't be in competition because we're so different. Our mm. music is different and it's targeting kind of different mm. areas as well. Um, and kind of like Brian and a couple of people um, I grew up with anyway and hung out with since I was like about mm. 10. So it's just like, oh, hi, how are you? I'm mm. fancy seeing you here. You know, it's really mm. not that big a deal. And having the same management as well, it's mm. kind of, you know, it's quite close in it. So. Considering, as you say, you grew up together, does mm. it seem amazing that you're also on top of just very bizarre i mean yeah. more so what kind of freaks me out is the fact of how small a country ireland is yeah. and the amount of artists that have come out of it is kind of phenomenal mm. i that is one thing that i find quite mm. bizarre but yeah i mean i suppose it's something that we're kind of used to and you know mm. but when you think about it and the fact that we i grew up knowing brian and went to the same dance class i mean we never thought when we were that age you know mm. that this is what we'd be doing so do you find wherever you are in the world there's a sort of closeness between you Irish artists, the sort of affinity? I think so. I do think so. Mm. Um, and I think we have got a lot of mutual respect for each other. Mm. Um, and it is nice. I mean, I guess if we are in some country doing an award show or a concert or something, you know, we will go out for a couple of drinks afterwards, mm. you know, kind of, mm. you know, meet up. Because I do think there's a certain Irish sense of humour and a certain Irish attitude that a lot of other cultures don't necessarily mm. get. Mm. Um, so it's kind of, it is nice if you're in like a strange country or whatever, mm. to kind of have that familiarity. Yeah. Louis Walsh, yeah. he sort of represents you all, doesn't mm -hmm. he? Mm -hmm. and how, how important has he been to you? I mean huge, I mean he got me my record deal and my mm. publishing deal. So I mean that's major, you know, mm. where I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for him. Um, really? But I mean we've got, again, we've got a very, very close relationship. You know, and I mean, we do, we fight like cats and dogs, but I think that's what makes it work, you know, mm. kind of, I'm very opinionated and he's very opinionated, mm. um, and we kind of battle it out and figure it out, but I mean, he's great, he's great, mm. and kind of more so now, a lot of the time I would consider him a friend above being my manager, you know, right. and there's a lot of even personal stuff that I'd confide him in, in him, mm. and, you know, ask his advice on stuff that wasn't even related mm. to, you know, kind of the music industry or whatever, so, but yeah. As well as your music and your acting, you're also famed for your looks. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say there. <laughs> do, do you work on that to keep yourself in shape? Now look at me, I'm lazy as hell, not at all. Um, I've kind of gotten into, I'm really not good with the gym, I just find it so monotonous and boring. So I've really gotten into recently doing, I do private kickboxing training. Um, and I've gotten into, I don't mind doing like classes down in the gym. I hated it for the first, I'd say three or four classes, but I'm kind of getting into spinning now. Um, and one of my close friends, she's a spinning instructor as well, so that's kind of good fun to go down with her. Spinning. spinning, it's like hell. <laughs> um, they're basically stationary bikes, but you kind oh, okay. of you turn the resistance up and down, and you go to music, so right. really, really fast and really slow, but high resistance. It's all right. that kind of thing. Yeah, good class though. And do you find um, designers is like throwing themselves at you, asking you to wear their um, stuff? Yeah, I mean, certain. There's I kind of have my favorite designers, and if I can wear Irish, then I do. Peter O'Brien, I just adore. Right. Um, and he's been my find of this year, and he just makes beautiful kind of couture evening gowns, mm -hmm. and he's just a wonderful man as well on top mm -hmm. of it all. So he's kind of my my preference over anybody else when it comes to that evening wear. Mm -hmm type thing. Um, but for funkier stuff, I mean, I do get sent a lot of stuff, but I love shopping as well. That's kind of the exciting bit for me coming home with the bags and unwrapping, you know. Um, but certainly, I mean, I do get kind of given dresses and given stuff to wear and, you know. Can you shop easily without being hassled and um, Well, here there's kind of only certain places that I'd go to really because mm. Dublin isn't great for shopping. I mean, on an international level when you consider the other countries. So there's only certain bits. I mean, there's one huge department store that I guess would be like maybe like a Harvey Nichols or Parrots mm. type thing called Brown Thomas here. And I think I should have shares in that shop at this stage because <laughs> I'm always in and out of there. Um, so I love that. But my favourite place to shop would be LA. Mm. Um, that kind of is more my style and mm. Mm. the whole 
Okay. In England, you were recently uh -oh. voted in a in a poll of having the lowest cut dress of all time. Are you serious? Right. Okay. Something you're proud of? That, that, dress you know that dress, I still don't get the big deal that that caused. I thought at the time, literally getting ready to go, it was me, my stylist and my makeup artist in a little hotel room in London. I was running dead late and she'd like four dresses on the bed and I tried it on and I thought, oh, that's nice. It's understated. <laughs> and then I got there and the big fracas that it caused, I was yeah, completely gobsmacked yeah. at that. I mean, right, it showed like down the middle, but there were girls literally in bras and tiny skirts that showed yeah. 10 times more yeah. skin. Yeah. But for some reason, because it was down the middle, that was... But you can't thought it was understated, surely. I actually really yeah. didn't think of it. I thought it a nice, simple black dress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nice shape, yeah. bit of detail down the centre, yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. Because people sort of have you labelled as dressing provocatively. Do you, is that how you feel? I mean, there was that dress and I think one other dress in, mm. like, what, three years. Which are you in short skirts um, quite a bit? Ish. I mean, you, I kind of... You don't think I, of yourself as a... I wouldn't hugely... I mean, not a... God, I can't remember the last time I wore a skirt. I mean, really, when I'm not working, I'm a lazy dresser and I like mm. casual gear and comfortable. And, um, oh, I, d I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, but certainly, I, I certainly don't dress like that all the time anyway, you know. Have you been offered money to pose for a men's mag or anything like that? Um, yeah, that's not really something that I'd be interested in doing. Mm. I did do a photo shoot once, but it was all like, I was wearing clothes mm. um, for... I think it was FHM and that was cool and it was fun and I did in LA I mean and something maybe I would do w once off but it's not something that I would like to capitalize on or do on a regular basis or certainly do for money you know it, mm. that's not really what I'm about so what about the movies because you've done a few movies and you know would you put it in your contract no nudity I'm not sure about the nudity thing right. there was a movie um, a small role that I was offered in a movie um, and I didn't do it because there was nudity okay. Oh, and it's just, it's only been out recently and I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, so that's going to be quite okay. weird seeing whoever did do it. Yeah. So that's strange. Mm. Um, I'm not sure, I mean, maybe it's something, maybe if I was a bit older I would. It's mm -hmm. just not something I think I'm, I'd be very comfortable with mm. now. Because you've done a couple of movies, Time Machine um, and Spin Did the Time Machine, did a cameo on Spin the Bottle, and yeah. then I'm shooting another. It's actually going to be the first ever Irish movie, oh. Irish horror. One still to come. Um, in April, oh. April and May we're shooting that. What's that called? Boy Eats Girl. Boy Eats Girl. Yeah, Boy Eats Girl. It's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek horror. It's fantastic, though, and it's an independent movie. That one, I just assumed from, like, page one, I was hooked. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's an independent, low-budget movie, yeah. but it's just something I feel could be great. Right. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, it's the lead female. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not accountable. Do you get eaten? Um, Do you get eaten? I can't say. Right, okay. I can't say. <laughs> um, but um, how satisfied, you know, have you been with the time machine? I was so proud of that. Um, right. Spin the bottle I haven't seen yet. <laughs> but Time Machine, I mean, I was so proud of myself. I mean, it was something that came out of the blue. And even it's only really now that I think about it. I mean, at the time of shooting it, when I got told I had the part, like two days later, I was on set. Mm. So I didn't really have time to think about it or, you know, kind of actually realise what I was doing. It's only mm. now looking back, I think, wow, what an experience, mm. you know. But I mean, I loved the film and I was proud. Of, I was so proud of my little brother in it as well. Oh, um, and it's one of those things, if you never did another movie again, I mean, that's something that's going to be around forever, that my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren will mm. be able to watch. So no, I'm, I'm proud of it. And is your brother continuing to act? Um, he is. He's had to take a lot of time out. He's got his junior cert, which I don't know what the English equivalent is, whether it's right. O-levels, A-levels or GCSEs. I don't yeah. know what yeah. the equivalent is. So he's got his exams this year. So mm. he's he can't do anything while he's doing that, obviously. Mm. Um, so pretty much after summertime, then he's going to go back. Him and my mum spent three months in L.A. 2003. Mm. Um, and he's gonna, they're developing a TV show for him in America. Right. So he's going to start working on that then, kind of 
later this year. Will you work together again? Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely, definitely. Definitely. No plans as such, but um, nothing cement. But I mean, it's mm. kind of a given. I mean, I'm sure we'll do stuff together mm. again, mm. most definitely. And is your heart in acting or singing? Um, I think at the moment it's more so acting. Right. Um, right. I kind of feel that's where I'm at, and I'm in the middle of doing the next album, and I'm going to record actually in about a week and a half, mm. and write some more stuff. But I'm just really taking my time with it because I think the second album is so crucial, and I kind of feel I really need to put something out there that I feel passionately about. Mm. Um, and I wrote, co-wrote my first album as well, but it was such a popular kind of a younger album mm. almost listening to it now is like a diary of when I was 15 16 right. and fancy boys and you know I kind of feel I've got a lot more to say now um, and yeah I mean and, and not that it, I wanted to be something completely different to the first album because I hate when artists that I love do that and they come with a random album that's you know not at all got like the last one um, but it's just I kind of I feel I have a lot of messages to put out there so I'm taking my time with that and it'll come out you know when I, when I feel it's, it's polished and you know, the writing is good enough. So. so you say that, but it's been quite a while <laughs> since the first album. Is that a sort of worry mm. to you, that at the same time you might leave it too long? Um, I, it actually isn't. I mean, I think I've still been out there, and I think kind of my fans have always been so supportive of me. I read that you have, your second album is called Woman, isn't that Yes, right? that is right. And it was supposed to come out about a year ago. Well, it was going to come out, and then yeah. we pause delay and then when so much time because I, just, I wasn't really happy with how it was sounding and I wasn't happy that I didn't have enough writing on it right. um, and now it's gone to the stage where I'm not changing a lot of the tracks I'm just revamping them and kind of like time has gone music I find dates so quickly right. um, that I just kind of want to remix a lot of it um, and then write a couple of new fresher tracks for the album um, so I mean it's, all, it's pretty much there I mean the body of it is there mm. it's just kind of getting all the other pieces to come together but I think it's going to be kind of amazing when it comes out. So Still called Woman? Still called Woman. I like the title Woman. Right. And yes, it's going to be cool. And who will it be released by? Um, with my label, Polly. Yeah. Okay, because there's been these stories in the British press. <sighs> Which has done my head in. It's so that please, I've left, right. Yeah. Polydor and the American equivalent of Polydor is Interscope. So I've left Interscope because I wasn't happy with the American label. Right. So I'm not with an American label at mm. the moment. So that's what it is that I've left right. that. And the press picked up that I'd left the label and picked it up that it was Polydor, but it's Interscope. So it's really not that big a deal because you kind of, it's just changing companies in America. So. so you're still with Polydor in the UK? Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and they're who I signed with as well. And how have you felt about those reports? Is it really um, frustrating? Not really. I mean, it kind of, the only frustrating thing is that people read it and believe it. And that can kind of be irritating. But I mean, as far as kind of the stories themselves don't bother me, I mean, time and my album being released and all the stuff that I'm doing will show, prove that wrong anyway. So, I mean, it's not something that there's always, I think I have more rubbish written about me than truth. So right. kind of at this stage, it just kind of washes off me, you know, so. So when are you hoping for the release date? I'm hoping before the end of the year, but I am prioritising acting this year and I head to LA for the month of February, which is casting season. Um, so if something comes up, then I'll probably do that and put the album back. Um, and if not, then I'll go ahead and release. Mm. So. Do you feel your best is yet to come from the point of view of your music? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel... You've got a lot to offer still. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I kind of... I feel so much older than 21. But I just feel kind of in years to come... Definitely I'm in it for the long term and kind of maybe more so when I'm older that'll be more so acting as mm. opposed to singing um, or I'm sure my music tastes and style will change as I get older but absolutely it just feels like I'm getting started. So what else about you got this movie, the horror movie, you got the album you're working on, anything else? Movie, the album, um, what else? There's a couple of business things that I'm working on. I kind of want to do you know, a couple of things that 
aren't necessarily in, in the public. I want to do a lot of stuff with UNICEF this year as well. They're kind of a big factor too. Um, I'd like to have some different businesses. I'd like to be a ghostwriter on other people's tracks and write for other people as well. My head is buzzing. I have a million ideas and things that I want to do. Um, so I guess it'll all come together eventually. Maybe not what you mean by business ideas. Um, I mean, I'd like to, there's certain businesses and business ventures I'd like to go into. I'd like to invest money in certain things. I'd like to... But are you going to do like Bono style and open a hotel? Well, I don't have enough money to do that. Um, maybe in years to come. Um, clothing is definitely something that I'll get into, I'm sure. The only clothing thing I did was through Reebok. And I kind of liked the idea that because I had a lot of input in the tracksuits and what I did. And I... I didn't have time to do my own line of tracksuits, so I knew I was going with a reputable brand and I knew it was good quality and it wouldn't fall apart and um, they had a good reputation. So I went with them and that was fun. But I think down the road I would like, to, if I was designing a line, I would like to, you know, have my own, like design it myself and have it made myself and right. maybe open my own clothes store here or LA or maybe a chain of them. But that's, I mean, what, that's like five, ten years down the line. Mm. And you're always reported to be extremely ambitious. Is that true? And why are you so ambitious? Um, I think it is, and I think it's more so that I'm a perfectionist. And if I do something, I, I like to do it. And if I'm involved in something, I want to give it 110%. Um, so I think that's what it is. And I think I'm just lucky to be in a position to do what I do and be very passionate about it. And it's something that I just, it doesn't, it's not like work. So it's, it's something that, you know, that I think the passion is the ambition as well and that's what drives me and makes me want to do it and I am definitely a perfectionist so that makes me want to do things better and better each time you know. Do you think your perfectionism makes people think sometimes that you're difficult, that you're demanding? Um, I don't think so because certainly I think it's almost a given in the music industry now if you're a female artist you're a diva. I don't think right. I could name a female artist that hasn't been labelled a diva at mm. one point or in one interview or another. I mean I certainly don't think I'm difficult. A lot Every time I'm working, I always have a member of family with me. Mm -hmm. So I always have someone that I know isn't going to be a yes person that'll say, Samantha, shut up and cop onto yourself, or, you know. Um, and they do, and when they say it, then I listen and kind of back off. But I'm just, I'm kind of, at the end of the day, I'm a businesswoman as well, and I am running a business, and things need to go, you know, not necessarily smoothly, but we need to do things professionally and as well as we can do. And if that's a diva, then... I mean, I don't know, I think it's kind of sad because when I was a little girl, a diva was an amazing thing. And right. I was, wow, she's a diva, it was a good thing. And it's such a negative thing now. Mm. I don't know, I think it's very easy to label somebody that. Mm. So you don't I mean, in diva life then? Not that like I know of. I certainly don't demand, you know, candles right. or any of that yeah, rubbish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if I'm a diva because I demand, you know, kind of my work to go well, I demand my production to be well, I mm. demand the schedules to be full. And, you know, if, if <laughs> that's being a diva, then I'm proud to be called that. Mm. Absolutely. Are you but from a family? No. <laughs> when I was three, I started tap dancing. Yeah. Um, and that was because the Billy Barry's, which is where I went to, was like around the corner from my house. Um, and my mum and dad thought it might be something I'd like. I think I was a very hyper child. Okay. And thought, you know, that's something to give her to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'm so fidgety. And kind of, you know, maybe tired me out a little mm. bit and did it and just loved it. Um, so what about your parents' occupations? Tell us about what they do. Yeah, my mum my doesn't work anymore. But she did work for solicitors. Um, she was a secretary for solicitors and my dad was an aircraft engineer years ago and then he stopped and I actually don't know what he does now but he lives in London but I mean it was a very normal upbringing a very happy upbringing I mean we weren't poor I mean we did a nice house and, and a nice lifestyle I mean it wasn't fancy Is the um, reason your mum doesn't work now is that because of your success? You um, yeah I wouldn't be comfortable with her working anymore and kind of I prefer her to be able to travel with me if she can okay. um, and if she anything she for you in some way um, what would you 
as a mother she does I mean right. she goes above and beyond and um, mm. but she I mean she wouldn't be on a, a salary or anything like that but when she's with when my brother is working and um, she would be his tour manager and she mm. travels with him a lot have you got any other brothers and sisters? No, just two of us. Right, yeah. are you very close? Very close. Kill each other, but we're very close. <laughs> Usual story. <laughs> and uh, your father's from Zambia, isn't that yeah. right? Yeah. Has that caused any of you, being the, the product of a mixed race marriage, has that caused any difficulties? Have you Absolutely had, not. Is there any sort of racism in Not at all. And I don't know whether, because a lot of people ask me that, and uh, people are very surprised when they hear I haven't, but as a child, I was always well able to stand <coughs> up for myself. And oh. maybe I gave off an air of something I don't know but I certainly never had issues and it was never a negative thing you know like kind of when I was younger in school the girls loved it because they could play with my really curly hair and kind of this is such a bad story but we'd get like little pebbles and play X's and O's on my arms mm -hmm. like you know when you scratch it like the, yeah. you can get this mm -hmm. colour whatever and then when it came to meeting boys I guess I was cool because it was a bit exotic and something different <laughs> um, so it always worked for me it's never been something that's gone against me and I kind of feel I have the best of both worlds so, yeah. When you were That's young, were you told you'd be a star one day? Did anyone ever say, you know, you've got something special? Um, yeah, and I guess that probably would have been my mum, but I think every mother says that to yeah, their kids, you know, yeah. so um, well, I don't know how much to read into that. Mm. But I was, I think I had more confidence when I was a little girl than I do now. Mm. And maybe that's why I noticed. I mean, when I was a kid, people stared at me probably because I was a black little girl. I thought they were staring at me because I was fabulous. And that was kind of my interpretation of it. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of it. I mean, if I had half the confidence now that I had when I was a kid, I'd be flying. Oh, yeah. Why well, has it been knocked a bit? Are you confident? Um, no, I mean, you know, I, it's just part of growing up. I mean, I'm comfortable, very comfortable in myself now. But you know, you go through the awkward teenage stage yeah. and trying to find what style of clothes suits you. What trying to find out what you like, what you don't like. You know, there's all everybody goes through. I think that kind of awkward phase. When did you um, start dreaming of a showbiz career, and what started those dreams? When did I start? I don't know. I remember being little and loving Michael Jackson, just thinking, oh, right. wow. And yeah. You know, he was my idol when I was a little girl, and kind of Janet Jackson and Tony Braxton and Whitney Houston, and I suppose I just thought, yeah, that's what I want to do when I grow mm. up. Maybe you know your thoughts on Michael Jackson at the moment. Um, that's a funny one, you know. I, I don't know, and it's almost like he was such a big influence to me as a little girl that my memory of or how I think <coughs> of Michael Jackson isn't how he is now; it's how he was years ago. So I mean. I don't know. I, I suppose you never know, and I'm sure the truth will come out eventually, but mm. I don't know. I think it's really sad. Really, really sad. When were you first spotted? Who by? It was spotted when I was, what age was I, 15, in a theatre show called The Hot Mikado. And it's like a Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm -hmm. um, and it was yes, playing, that. yeah, mm. it was playing the lead role of Yum Yum. A guy spotted me and he kind of worked with me for a little while and then I went on and did the panto and I think word just started to spread and I started to get kind of a bit of Irish press because mm -hmm. I was young and in mm -hmm. lead roles, whatever. Um, and then it was one night being out and meeting Louis and that's kind of been the last of it. But I will say this, <laughs> he did get me my record deal, my publishing deal before he'd actually heard me sing because I hadn't, I hadn't sang for him. So we went on pretty much what he'd heard um, on word of mouth. Right. Which I guess is quite unusual. Yeah. Legend has it, you, at 15 you went out to him. Lies, lies, lies. Oh, I did go up to him in a nightclub, but yeah. the whole getting into the nightclub and saying I was an R&B, whatever, was a PR story. Oh, sorry, what I didn't know that story. Oh, really? Oh, I thought you were going to say that because I've heard it a million times. No, 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 please. Oh, the whole story was that I was 15 and told, went to the nightclub door and said I was an American star. 
American R&B star and that's how they brought me into the VIP room well, and how I met him and whatever, but that wasn't true. true. No. So what's the truth? Um, the truth is, a guy from Sony had actually spotted me in a show and asked if I'd be interested in meeting up. So my mum and myself went and met him and um, we had dinner with Standard and Rowe, who were the Spice Girls producers at the time, right. who were huge. And got on really, really well with them, had dinner, and they wanted to continue talking about stuff or whatever, and it was like, well, where can we go? So Lily's Bordello's a nightclub here. Um, and at the time, they had a library, which was a VIP room, but it was really quiet, and we could go and talk or whatever. Um, so we got in there, and it was when I was in there, then Louis happened to be in the room as well. And I never knew what Louis Walsh looked like. I kind of, my vision in my head was completely different to what he looks like. And some, they said, oh, that's Louis Walsh over there, and I thought, to hell with it. And I ran over and gave him a big hug and said, hi, Louis, I'm Samantha, nice to meet you. And went back to my table, and that was it. And then he came over to my mum, and they swapped numbers, and he called her the next day. And it pretty much literally went from there. So. What was the plan for your career before it started? I'm not sure. For me, it was a big deal getting the lead role in The Hot Mikado and then mm. getting a lead role in like the Panto, and they were big things for me. And I was mm. just kind of taking things as they came, and that was such a big deal then, mm. you know, even to be getting that. And then when I met Louie, it was kind of like, wow, this is actually really becoming mm. a reality. Mm. And I remember at the beginning, I mean, I've always kind of, I am, I suppose I am quite opinionated, but I've always had a lot of input in my career from day one, mm. and I remember. We have big talks initially because he wanted me to come out as Sammy or Sam and wanted to drop the mumba. He didn't think that mumba worked and wanted me to just have like a name. And I fought to keep my surname and it worked and it hasn't hindered me. Um, and kind of so little things like that I've kind of always been very involved in and kind of always put my opinions across. Um, what were your expectations though for your career when you started out? Well, Do you think you'd be as big as you are now? No, and I remember when... Because I don't think anybody, even the record company, I don't think they were expecting me to do so well. Mm. Because the first single, I guess, sold 16,500 on the first day. Tell you. Yeah, mm. and I remember getting that phone call and walking <coughs> around London that day going, 16,500 people have my mm. single. And I was like, I wonder if they have it or if they could have it. And mm. I remember just being so freaked out by the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then in the midweeks it was number one and it was against Eminem, I remember that, and it was the two of us battling for number one. Mm. One day I'd be number one, then he'd have more sales, and in the end he picked me to the post. Um, but I remember just just being in shock that it had, like, I mean, I was expecting it to go in, like, fingers crossed, top 20, but not even knowing. Um, so no. then when that happened, everything just took off. And, I mean, a lot of that is just a big old blur now because right. went from one single to the next and campaigns and travelling and, you know... Um, so I think the next was body to body. Yeah, that's right. Did you get any response from David Bowie for sample stuff? Um, oh no, we had to get um, his permission, and he yeah. listened to it and cleared it and said he liked it. You never had a face to so, face. So no, and I've never, I've never met him. Right. Um, but I'd be, I'd actually like to now and, mm. and speak to him myself. Yeah, you were saying earlier that you felt your early music was a bit naive now. Is that how you look back at it? I mean, I still have a lot of respect part. for it, and mm. I, I wrote it, and I'm quite proud of myself mm. at 15 and 16 to have been able to do that, and you know, to have been smart enough to make sure I did that. But it's kind of just a lot of the lyrics, they're just very young now. Um, and it's sweet, I mean, it's nice to look back on. Um, but it's just not, I'd be worried if I hadn't moved on now, I suppose. Were you worried at the time about following up that success? Um, didn't think of it, didn't really? think of it. Just no. And I, I don't, it's not something that I'm worried about now. I mm. really, I think people seem to find it very weird that I'm taking my time with bringing the next thing out. But it's just so mm. important to me, it's like, that's the important thing. I don't think the first album is so important. I think it's the second one that's mm. the big thing, whether you've staying power or you don't. Mm. So, you know. What is your record deal at the moment? May we know? Um, it's a five album deal. Right, so now you've done one already. Yep, yeah, so this is my second one. Okay. A lot to go. Really? And how <laughs> yeah. do you feel about that? Um, no, that's the challenge. That's mm. something that I'll do. Mm. 
Because you, know? you had a lot of pressure on you very young. Did mm. you feel it, or were you just? So I think because I was so young, right. it just you know went over my head a lot mm. of it, and kind of as well as that, the only pressure I'd really, I mean, I put a lot of pressure on myself when I'm working, and I like to push mm. myself and you know see what I can and can't do. But with regards to pressure from record companies and, and whatever, that's for my manager to deal with, not me. Because you had to grow up very fast, didn't you? I did, I did. Kind of when I started recording the album, all of a sudden I was like just turned 16 and I was in Sweden for like a month on my own recording and going back to like a strange hotel every night and kind of going, okay, so what do I do now? And I remember my first trip, I think, God, I think my phone bill was like a couple of thousand and I nearly shot myself checking out the hotel. So have you ever felt that you started too young? Um, no. You left school too early? Mm -mm, definitely not. I mean, I feel I left after my junior search. Um, and I feel to have stayed on and done my leaving exams um, would have been very important if I wanted to go into college, if I wanted an, a specific degree in something. Or, mm. you know, I feel when I knew so definitely what I wanted to do and I had that opportunity to do it, mm. it just didn't seem at all logical, you know. And when you look back at school. videos now of yourself starting out, do you sort of think, oh, that seems... I actually lively. don't. I never look back at stuff or I never watch TV performances really? or anything like that. I probably should. A lot of people say I should to see what I'm doing right or wrong or um, whatever, but it's not, I'm not very comfortable with that. Even if you happen to be in the room when it was on, you turn it off. Mm, really? Absolutely. Yeah. So were you ever given any advice by Louis or any of the, your fellow artists that, that stuck with you that you've always respected and you've always listened to? Um, not advice. I mean, well, having said that, Louis has advised me on certain things. I just haven't necessarily taken the advice. Um, um, and a lot of a lot of people have. I mean, yeah. not necessarily other artists. I mean, other artists don't. You know, I say when people when I see other artists say, "Oh, this person gave me this advice." I kind of find that so hard to believe because that's not how it kind of happens. You know, you support another artist, but I don't think. Any artist is in a position to say, this is what you do and this is what you shouldn't do. Everybody has their own journey and everybody has a completely different experience of the music industry, I think. So, I, I mean, yeah, I've had a lot of support from different people. Um, but certainly I've never had another artist sit down and say, you know, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Um, and I think I'd, I'd find that quite insulting if somebody did do that. You know? Was there a moment that you felt you really made it? <laughs> I think during the movie when I was sitting in like this huge trailer and someone came to get me and said, oh, Steven Spielberg's on set, he'd love to meet you. I remember thinking, okay, hang on, Samantha, <laughs> this is Hollywood, this is crazy, you know? And I, I remember thinking, not even thinking I'd have my own trailer. And this thing, I mean, it was like a house. It was, you know, fabulous. Um, so what was your meeting with him like? Oh, that was so cool. Um, just said he was really happy with how I was getting on, really happy with um, the dailies that he was seeing back. Yeah. Me and Guy had lots of chemistry. Met with my brother. I met him a couple of times and then I actually when we finished shooting a couple of months later I had to go back and do more because he wanted me to have some more lines so we reshot some stuff as well but he, he was lovely. Are you still in touch with him or your co-stars? Um, not with my co-stars actually Jeremy Irons was wonderful and putting together um, for Christmas to this year 2004 um, it's a Christmas book for UNICEF and it's all different famous people not famous people just unusual family mm. situations and it's shown that you know no matter what fam type of family you have you know once you have it it's important um, and he kindly did a picture um, with his family which was lovely of him and I haven't spoken with him but I will call him and thank him personally so that's been really really nice but as far as keeping in touch with other guest stars no I haven't when you sort of made it as we explained earlier did, did you sort of buy yourself a nice big car or a big house um, not initially I mean I've bought my house and I've bought a nice car um, mm. now that's it my only vices are shopping mm. um, and I love buying gifts for other people as well mm. I get a lot I 
get so much more enjoyment out of giving gifts than getting them. Mm. I love seeing people's faces when they're mm. opening their presents and mm. whatever. Um, but I mean, I'm not hugely extravagant. But my house was a, a huge purchase for me. Do you hear some of the artists saying, especially later on in their careers, mm. saying, oh, I was ripped off as a youngster and stuff. Are you happy with the, 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 you've got the arrangement you've got? Um, I am happy with it. I've been very involved with it. I mean, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think I feel a lot of people that say they were ripped off didn't write their material. Mm. Because, it, I mean, that's kind of, that's in the, the music industry, that's really mm. the only way I see you making mm. money. I mean, substantial amounts of money. Other than that, I mean... Mm. What's been um, the greatest moment of your pop career so far? I'm not even sure what that's been. I mean, there's been lots of cool things that have happened, mm. and um, I'm not sure, actually. Mm. I'll think about that and get back to you before the end. How did the film acting start, and to what extent did it come as a surprise? Complete surprise. I was in L.A. shooting my Baby Come Over video, and Louis came on set and gave me these sides and said, these people have requested to meet you, do a reading, and it was kind of like, look, you're so not going to get it. Just mm. go for it if you want to mm. go. Don't go for it, mm. you know see what happens, could be a good contact for the future. And I kind of went for the reading with that attitude, very mm. laid back. If anything, it was like, oh God, one more thing to do. I was on my way to the airport to go home. I hadn't been home in ages. And it was like one last thing that I have to do before I go. And did it, it was very laid back, forgot about it. Then about two weeks, I think, passed. And they asked me to fly back to New York and do a proper reading, this time with Guy Pearce and in front of the director and producers and that whole thing. Um, and when I got that call, I kind of thought, oh my God, I'm actually maybe in with a chance here. And that kind of freaked me out. So did that anyway and went home. And then two days later, I was in L.A. and on set. Did you consider moving to LA or to Hollywood? Um, I didn't at the time. This year, I definitely will consider moving to America this year anyway, yeah. though. Mm, absolutely. Time. I think I'll keep, my, I'll keep my property here, but I right. would like to have somewhere there as well. I'd like really? to buy in America. So. Whereabouts? Um, either LA or Atlanta, one or the other. Mm. Have you felt it's been good uh, basing yourself in Ireland, or has it been a disadvantage? Um, no, always an advantage. I mean, it's been important to me, because, especially mm. because I've been travelling for such a young age, all my friends and all my family are here. Mm. So. It's been very important to be able to get back and get home and I kind of that's a lot of people say why didn't you buy in London or why aren't you living in England but I mean getting the flight is so short anyway it's like catching a bus now mm. back and forth that I don't see the point in living there when my friends and family are still here you know so that's never been optional and I guess LA or Atlanta have been the only other places but Ireland that I've seen myself kind of you know thinking I could live there. And what's the priority the personal life or the professional life for you? Um, for me the personal life at the moment is a priority. Why? It's just something that's important. I mean, there's no point in being hugely successful and then coming home and being lonely and not having a good person. You know, I mean, mm. that. and I think if you have a happy home life or a happy personal life, then that's going to reflect in your work as well. Um, so that's something that I've actually always made a priority whenever mm. possible. Have you ever been lonely? Um, no. And I think I'm a typical Capricorn in the sense, because I work so much and I've, like, hair and makeup and people around me all the time and faffing around me, it's so nice to just get into a room and just be able to chill out and run a bath and watch TV and get into pyjamas and mm. not have to have people around me. I mean, you know, I don't need to have people around me for the sake of us that, you know, I'd be lonely or not at all. Mm. Plus, I spend hours on my phone. When you're not working, what do you do? Um, well, this year, I haven't. I've spent the year decorating my house, just living in my house, mm. kind of just being home for a while, you know, not living out of a suitcase and mm. doing normal things and cooking, doing my weekly food shop, you know, just really just living a normal life, which has been nice because since I was, whatever, 15 and a half, I haven't had that opportunity. So I guess I felt like this was the right time to do that. And how do you feel about marriage in the future? 
I mean, that's such a big thing for me. I mean, the whole married and kids, that's a, a huge priority and a huge goal. And if I can do that successfully, then, you know, that's something to be proud of. So, yeah, that's a big thing on my agenda. You explained earlier that you feel a lot older than 21. Mm. How old do you feel? I don't know if I could put a figure on it, but I suppose because of, I mean, a lot of people that are 21 are just out of college, I guess, and haven't travelled the world and they have a lot of things that they want to do whereas I kind of feel I've done all that you know I've travelled the world and seen other places and I feel I've grown up in a much shorter space of time so in terms of that I feel much older and you know wiser to an extent Um, so I suppose that's probably why maybe a lot of people in the music industry settle down at a younger age mm. because you've done so much it's like that the one thing then that you do crave is the security of a family and mm. a husband you know that that whole thing is very appealing then because uh, you've achieved an awful lot in such a short space of time. Yeah. What's your view on life at 21? Um, you're like, you exhausted. Yeah, I feel kind of weary. <laughs> no, I mean, what I find amazing is the difference even in myself from when I think of when I started out. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing how, you know, like for people, I mean, I suppose there are people in like, their late 20s and 30s that haven't travelled the world and it really does open your eyes and I think that's the best education anybody can have mm. is to d visit different cultures and learn from that and I think for somebody to be older or I mean some people that are in their 40s that haven't travelled I think that can be that's kind of scary to me mm. you know because I, I don't understand that so that's one thing I've learned definitely the best education I've ever gotten was travelling the world how do you feel when you meet other 21-year-olds? Do you think, oh, they seem so young? Some do, some mm. definitely do. Um, but I mean, I've, a lot of my friends are in their 20s, mm. but a lot of my friends are, you know, cooler than thou, and, you know, very, and a lot of, because my friends are dancers as well, they've travelled the world too, and, mm. you know, I guess they've been very independent from a young age as well. Mm. Um, but certainly, I mean, there's some girls or whatever that I'll meet that maybe are fans or whatever, and when they're the same age as me, it's like, or some that are even older, a couple of years mm. older than me, it's kind of like, wow. You know, then I feel old. <laughs> so. As we've explained, in the interview, quite a few things have been written and said about you mm. that are blatantly untrue. Mm. How sensitive are you to those things? Um, I think when I started out, I found it really hard. I was like, I just didn't understand why people would say something like that mm. or why people would make up stories about me. But now it's really just not something that I kind of deal with. It's something that you learn to laugh off because if I took every single thing nasty or negative mm. that was written about me, I mean, God, I'd be an absolute wreck, you know? Mm. I mean, that would be so emotionally draining mm. to have to deal with that all the time. And um, that I kind of, it's just one of those things that is part of the job that goes with it. And you say, okay, had a bad day at work today, fine. Mm. And just leave it at that. Mm. How ambitious are you now? What are your ambitions at this stage of 21? Well, again, just that I'm just starting out, so I have a lot that I want to do, mm. a lot that I want to achieve. Um, but I've also realized that kind of, it's nice to live as well, you know, to mm. not just work be your be all and end all mm. actually live and just be normal sometimes is, is a good thing so that's something i'm going to do try and incorporate more into kind of scheduling and, and work and stuff where would you like to be at 31 10 years wow definitely married definitely children hopefully still very successful if that's being in the public eye or not doing stuff behind the scenes but um i don't i don't know what do you think you would do if, if things didn't work out? I mean, obviously, it looks very bright for you. Oh, I mean, there's always, I mean, and that's part of life, and it's always the unexpected twists and turns, and I think mm. that's what makes people as well. I think you kind of have to have negative stuff to happen every now and then to actually appreciate the good stuff and, mm. you know, understand how lucky you are. But, I mean, if that happened, it's not the end of the world. You know, I'd pick myself up and do something else. What's the arrangement with um, UNICEF then? With UNICEF, I'm the youth ambassador for Ireland right. with UNICEF. So, um, did the Zambia trip last year. I'm going to be doing another field trip this year, and then I have the big conference in March, 
that I'll be speaking at. And then there's a Kids Helping Kids campaign that we launch every September. So that'll be my third September this year, launching that, and that's to eradicate polio. But other than that, the main goals that I kind of bring awareness to is the prevention of AIDS from mother to baby. Um, so that's pretty much what I'm involved in at the moment. But I, I think kind of as I get older, I probably will have a lot more to do with UNICEF. Kind of that's kind of enough for me, or not enough, but that's kind of what I'd be able to deal with at the moment, I feel. And I'll just see where that goes and kind of, I remember when I got back from Zambia for a long time, I kind of felt like what I do for a living is such rubbish and I think I just bought my house and it was like this big expensive house and I was thinking of all the kids I'd seen that haven't a penny to their names and it just felt so wrong and I just, I was so angry with people and I was so angry at being back and you know, it took me a while to just to hanging out with friends and family normally again because it was like they were moaning about oh god you know I haven't got these clothes or I haven't got this or that and I just felt like screaming at everybody you know for a while it, it's hard to kind of understand the balance and I kind of felt like okay this is what I have to do for the rest of my life is charity work but then you know somebody said to me but the bonus of doing what you do is that it brings more awareness so if you weren't doing what you did then you wouldn't be bringing half the awareness you bring into the cause so it took me a while to kind of understand that and figure out that everybody has a piece, you know, yeah. of the jigsaw. Oh, a lot, an awful lot. So what so. I imagine is you must have seen lots of really moving scenes and read lots of very moving stories. Begin to tell you, I mean, just an unbelievable trip. And I'm terrible. I don't kind of did it, committed myself to it, and it was when the plane touched ground that I thought, oh, my God, Samantha, you're actually in Zambia. This is what you... It kind of just hit me then, kind of the enormity of it. But I think that was such an amazing trip and such a good trip. I'm so glad that I did it. Because it does, it makes you realise that really you're not all that important and there are other, you know, people going through so much worse. So what do you want to achieve with your life at this stage? You know what, I don't know because kind of in the space of five years from having started being here now, this isn't where I thought I'd be. So mm. another five years, another ten years, I just, I can't even fathom mm. where I'm going to be. You know what, if I'm happy and successful in what I'm doing then I think I'll be happy. Mm. So how do you want people to remember you after you've gone? After I've died, or after I've just gone? <laughs> after I've died. Um, God, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Someone that lived life to the full, I suppose. That respected other people, that did her job well, that enjoyed life, and hopefully went out with a bang. <laughs>